My name's Jose, if we haven't had a chance to meet. And you might be asking, why, why good news today? Like, maybe a friend invited you here, and you're wondering what this event is all about. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you the honest to goodness truth. It was my birthday this week, and I was feeling like a big birthday party. And so I wanted to, it's actually the truth. Uh, it, it is my birthday this week. And thanks for making it a great birthday party. Thank you very much. But more than that, uh, I just get a chance to travel around, even though I live here, just about a mile and a half, two miles from here. And I meet so many people, and on the outside, they're looking really good, but on the inside, they're hurting. And when we thought about what we could do to help people who may be looking good on the outside, but hurting on the inside, thought maybe let's just throw a party, because it's the middle of the summer, and it's not raining. Thank you, Jesus, all right? It's not raining, yeah. So this is the like one time of the year that we get to hang out and not get wet. And then we were thinking, well, what will we call it? And we were just messing around in the office. So like, what about good news? Because there's so much negative news that you see each and every day. This may be the best summer of your life. I don't know, some of you, you just came here tonight. Things couldn't be better. Uh, like it's my birthday week, so I'm excited about that. Uh, a couple of months ago, we celebrated, my wife and I, 25 years in a row of marriage. I know. Yeah, I know. And so, so I feel like this is one of my best summers ever. And, and we wanted to throw something that you could enjoy and mark. Like, wow, God is so good. He's been so generous to us. But, but also, I just know because I'm living in this town like you, that there are some who on the outside look good but are really hurting. And we thought, wouldn't it be good if we all got together? We're coming from different places and different spaces. We're dealing with different issues. What if we got together and spoke a word of hope to maybe someone who needs to hear it. Um, whether you've had a great summer or a bad summer, you know, sometimes you get news that you're not expecting. Uh, a dear couple, friends of ours, uh, Steve and Vicki, uh, this Easter, we were in church together on a Sunday, and she wasn't feeling so great for the last few months, going to doctors, not exactly figuring it out. But the day after Easter, the Monday, uh, they find out after some blood tests that Vicky's got leukemia, came out of nowhere, totally unexpected. And so I do know, I want to be sensitive. You could be here and everyone's having a blast, but you're suffering, whether it's with some sort of disease, whether it's some sort of issue, whether it's some sort of item in your past that you just haven't been able to get over. Well, Steve and Vicky, you know, you get that kind of news and it, it shakes your world. And they're not alone in having that kind of summer. It's totally turned their entire lifestyle upside down as she's fighting for her life. But you just may be feeling hurt from a broken relationship. You may be suffering. Some of you here, you're suffering from anxiety. And it was hard for you to get here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for getting in that car. You're suffering from depression. You don't, you don't know if the sky is going to ever clear. And even though the sun is out physically, in your soul, it's cloudy. It's cloudy all the time. And I want to talk to you tonight. If you feel like I'm not ever going to be what I thought I would be because I'm stuck or I'm hurt. You know, we've been seeing it in the news, a string of public suicides from Anthony Bourdain, you know, in the middle of shooting a show, he takes his life. And you have Kate Spade, who's uber successful and has everything in her New York apartment. She, she takes her life. You have Demi Lovato just here recently, a couple of days ago, and fortunately she's alive, but has a drug overdose. And those are the extremes. And I know for every one of those, there are 
thousands and thousands of us who are not on the cover of a magazine. We don't have a TV show, but we feel what they felt. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're on the verge and you feel like, I don't know, Jose, if I'm going to make it another week, I'm here to tell you, you can make it, you will make it, there's hope for you, it's not the end of your story. And so I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. And Jesus wants to step in, like Phil was saying, Jesus wants to step in, like he stepped in to that tatted guy in California at a gathering at a local church. He can step in at Hillsborough Stadium, and he can, he can address your situation. He can handle what you're going through. He can bring hope where you feel like you don't have it for yourself. And how do I know that? You say, Jose, that sounds great. That's good hype. How do you know how do you know that you can walk out of here with Jesus making a difference on the inside that shows up on the outside? I know that because Jesus, he talked a lot about people when they were down. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about three stories that Jesus told. That These stories aren't true, but he told them to illustrate one huge point, three stories with one huge point. You are valuable. I want you to hear that tonight. You matter. You matter to a lot of people. Maybe it doesn't seem like that. There are a lot of people who actually care about you and your well-being, but you matter more importantly to the one who made you, God himself. He knows you, and he, he made you even in your mother's womb, and he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to end things without him. He doesn't want you to live without him, and so he tells three stories. Jesus does when people are putting other people down, some people may be looking down on you. It happens all the time. You know, people judge you because of your faith, whether you have a Christian faith or some other faith. They judge you because of what you believe. It's terrible, but it's true. People judge people because of the color of their skin. It happens all the time. They judge you by your clothing size. They judge you by your work or your education, how you look, the things that you listen to or read. People judge people all the time. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look down at other people, forgetting we're human just like them. So we wanted to bring everyone together, all sorts of colors from all sorts of walks of life, to say there's good news for all of us. And here's what the good news is. Jesus tells the three stories. There's a story in Luke 15 about a shepherd, right? Someone who's to care for animals. He has 100, and 99 are in a good spot, but one wanders off. One goes away. And it's obvious to the shepherd who's in charge that the one person is not where they should be. And so what does he do? The Bible says, Jesus says in this story, he says, the, the, the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes and finds the one and he puts him on his back and he carries him back to the group because he should be connected. Hear this. Jesus tells three stories to prove one big point. You are valuable to God. You're valuable. So in the story, Jesus is kind of clear. Jesus is saying that God himself is this great shepherd, and he loves everyone, not just the 99 that hang around him. He loves the one that wanders off. And you may be like that tonight. You may feel like I, parts of my life are right, but there's something missing. And I'm here to tell you, you can deal with the symptoms or you can deal with the source. So let me explain. When, when Vicky went to the hospital, not feeling well. She had symptoms, fatigue, symptoms, aches and pains. But if the doctor said, here's, you know, here's some Advil, they'll make you feel a little better. Here's a little stronger med. Go home and you're going to be all right. If he just dealt with the symptoms, 
she would have never gotten the diagnosis. No, the doctor had to go deeper. Look, look at her blood and find out that there's cancer in her bloodstream. That's what leukemia is. And so in life, you and I can, we could just patch up the symptoms of anxiety or depression or loneliness or fear or whatever or guilt or shame. We could deal with the symptoms or we can choose to allow God to expose the root of it all, the source. And Jesus in these stories says, you should be close to him. You should be with the other 99. You should know God in a real way. God should lead you and guide you besides still in quiet waters. waters. God should, should guard your soul and give you what you need and care for you. But sometimes we just ignore him when we go our own way. That's the first story. Second story is just like it. Jesus says there's a lady in the house. She's got 10 coins and loses the one. But what does she do? Oh, I got nine. I'm fine. No. Jesus says that she takes a lamp. She lights it up and she searches and searches and searches because every single coin is valuable, not just the nine that are in her purse. Everyone. So, so after this radical search, she finds the coin and she tells her neighbors, wow, my lost coin has been found. You got to celebrate me. And then Jesus gives a little statement. There is more rejoicing in all of the presence of God with all the angels of God over one that was lost that comes back and is found. And then the third story, some of you know this really well, but it's worth repeating, is about a family. And this is where it gets tricky. I say family, and some of you are like, Jose, don't talk about family. You don't know you don't know my family. You don't know my mom or dad. Or I never met my mom. I never met my dad. And I feel alone. And I'm missing, I'm missing something in my life because I never had a dad to tell me, well done. I never had a mom to, to care for me when I just fell down and give me a warm, loving embrace. And if that's you, you're not alone. But there's another larger family that I want you to enter tonight. And the good news is you can, you can enter into a longer, lasting, deeper, wider, more fulfilling family. That's God's family himself. And so Jesus tells the story of a good family with a father who's caring. But he's got a couple of boys. And if you know the story, they're both off. One son, it's quite obvious. Jesus says, the, the boy goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance, a.k.a. Dad, I wish you weren't around because you're still here. I can't get what's mine. And that sounds crazy, but in a real sense, don't we do that with God sometimes? I want to remind you, friends, you didn't make yourself. You didn't create yourself. God, in his goodness, breathed life into your lungs. He did it in your mother's womb, but God did it. God started your life, and God knows the end of your life, and here's what he wants. He wants you to enjoy all of your days, not just a few, all of your days following him. Like the shepherd with the sheep right by him. Like the woman with the coin. Close. So that you know what to do when you need it. That you have wisdom and skill in how to live your life. That you make choices that are healthy and good. And when you stumble, you get grace and forgiveness to get back up and keep walking. That's God's will for every human being. But in the story, Jesus says, one boy says, I want it, it's mine. And so I'm going to ask you a really important, it's kind of a personal question tonight. Who is the center of your story? Who's the center? You see, everyone's got a story. I wish we could hear yours. We heard a bit of Phil's. Who's the center of your story? In other words, who's the most important person in your narrative, in your week, in your day? When you think about who's guiding who, 
Are you guiding your own life? Are your parents guiding your life? Are, are your friends, are they the ones who are like choosing for you and taking you down a path you know is wrong? Who's the center? Who's most important? And what we find is that in the best case scenario, there's a father, there's a family, and there's, a, there's, there's kids, and the father is loving and caring for these kids. But one goes off and says, I don't want it. I'll do what's best for me. You know how the story goes if, if you've ever heard it. Jesus says the guy went and spent all of his money on wild living, and then he had nothing, and his friends are gone, and the party is over, and he can't even get a job. So he gets the lowest, lowest, lowest job, and he finds himself feeding pigs, which is disgusting. And he's like, man, I'm so hungry. I wish I had their food. You know, the father had a feast at home. Everything he needed for life was connected to the father, but he chose to disconnect himself. And in a real sense, isn't that our story? I'm not talking about you alone. I'm just talking about all of us here tonight. Whether you're young or old or rich or poor, whether you feel great about yourself or you can't stand to look in the mirror, you are valuable to God because he made you and he's given you everything you need if you stay connected to him. Things aren't perfect, but they will go well. Why? He's there. And some of us, we've just ignored God and said, I don't even know if you're around. Well, here's how Jesus tells about the turnaround that I'm inviting you to take. You know, tonight could be a turnaround for you. You don't have to walk out of here with just a t-shirt and a good memory and a few photos. You can walk out of here. Something deep in your soul can really connect with the living God. You can find a new freedom. You can start to make new choices. God can lead you in a whole new direction. And you can leave here with great news that your life was, but now your life is about to be. And Jesus does that kind of stuff. I know because he did it for Phil and he did it for Holland and he's done it for me. And he's done it for so many of you here tonight. And I pray that you'll hear this, listen, and respond to it. I'm going to quote part of the story. I've just been giving you a little bit in my own wording. But here's a quote. Jesus, Luke 15, 17, when he came to his senses, that's the boy, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out and go to my father, look at the turnaround, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the rest of the story says that the guy actually lived up to his confession. He said, I'm going to say to the father, I've sinned, I'm not worthy. And if you read the rest of the story, that's exactly what he does. He comes back home. Who, who is the center of your story? Let me use a little illustration. This is why living devoid of God's presence, living without God leading you just doesn't make sense. It's not what you were made for. The boy runs out of money, he runs out of everything because he wasn't made to be disconnected from the father. He was made to embrace the father's love and presence. My wife and I, the first time that we went to, uh, to Europe, we went to England. And I've, ever, I've been to England, it's a wonderful place. And so we landed, we stayed at a friend's house and we were a little tired. We were gonna take a shower to grab dinner. And so my wife, she took a shower and then she's getting ready right in the bedroom and I take a shower. And then I hear a big scream. 
and I, I run to the room to find out why is my wife screaming in someone else's house. This is not like normal. It's not how we roll in our house. But I see her, I see her and she's got her a curling iron. How many of you use one of those? Obviously I do. Uh, yeah, she's got a curling iron. And the curling iron is not attached to her head, but there's a strand of hair wrapped around the curling iron. She burned her hair right off. Here's what happened. You know, in the U.S., our current, most of it runs on 110. I'm not into electricity, but I could do numbers, right? 110. Well, in the U.K., it runs on 220. And so what she did was she took this, this curling iron that was made not for Europe. It was made for the U.S. It was made for here. And she took it and she plugged it into something else. And let me tell you, my friends, it worked. It worked, it worked, it worked. It worked so well for a while that I'm sure it was straight. It was straight until it was disconnected and it was gone. And, and, and one little strand of hair burning. Don't try this at home, kids. One little strand of hair burning in your house will mess up the whole house. The whole house smelt like, like burning hair, which is kind of gross. And I, I, I tell you that story because it's funny, but it's not so funny when it's your life. It's not so funny when you plug all of your energy into these relationships that don't satisfy your soul because you were created by God for God. You were created by Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ. So until he's, hear me, until he's the center of my story, He's the one I go to. He's the one I look to. He's the one who guides. Until he's the center, of course, things will work for a while. Some of you say, well, I'm like 35 years old, and I got a good job, and I have money in the bank, and what do I, you, you need this Jesus? Congratulations. I don't need this Jesus. And that, that could be your attitude tonight. And I'm here not, not to talk down to you, but I'm here to offer you an alternative. Because at the end of your road, if you continue in that kind of thinking, where does it lead you? If you were made by God for God, then this life is only part of your existence. If you read the Bible, you, you got to be really clear. Everyone, God breathed life into men and women, the breath of life. And guess what? Our life doesn't end. It actually doesn't end. At the end of this life, we go into eternity, the fullness of life. And so your life will continue when this life is done. The question is, where will you be? It's like the kid, if, if he runs and he spends all the money and then he has nothing to eat, if he doesn't come to his senses and realize that God is for him, the Father's for him, the Father has everything that he needs, that he would have destroyed his life. And my friend, we're here to put on this event to tell you, you don't have to continue on the path that leads to emptiness and self-destruction in some cases. You can, you can come back. You could come back to the God who knows you and loves you and wants to offer freedom and forgiveness and wholeness and all that you ever dreamed of. It's not found in your Facebook friends. It's found in your Father in heaven, and he's the one that loves you and knows you. And I ask you tonight, come to him. Come to him. You know, some of, some of our rebellions are obvious. We know this. I got a brother, a younger brother. And he heard this as a kid and went to church with us as a kid. When I was young, I embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's like Jesus said in the story. There's a father and some kids. 
And the Father knows best and guides and leads and loves. And so early on, I knew that I was a mess up, and I knew that I needed the Father in heaven to guide me. But my younger brother, he didn't live that out. And so he did the high school thing, and he's an athlete and super good looking and was popular and did the party scene and then went off to college and, and continued the party scene and joined the baseball team. That's the only reason he went to school, but he was doing so much drugs, he got cut. And then he dropped out of school and just got a job and was doing good and lots of girls and lots of parties. But what started with a little drinking and a little pot escalated to cocaine. And by the time he's in his mid-20s, he's an absolute addict. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't know it. I'm his brother. I didn't know it. You see, some people's rebellion is obvious. And sometimes we highlight those stories. But for most of us, our rebellion is subtle. And so he was doing stuff under the surface. No one knows it. And he got to the end of his rope. And by his late 20s, he realized that I've made a mess of my life. Where am I going? He was engaged to be married. And he thought his life had this great future with this girl that he loved so much. And she basically told him, your life's a mess. I can't marry you. And then he spiraled. And that's what happens sometimes. It takes one event to trigger a spiral. And I don't want that friend I don't know you well, but I care enough about you to tell you. No one wants to see your life spiral, avoiding God. So what does God do? God sends his one son, Jesus Christ, to be the relationship that's going to bring us back. Some rebellion is obvious. My younger brother, he chose to return. He went to my mom and dad who are here tonight. It happened to be Good Friday. And went to their home. And he, he did like the son in the story. He came literally back to my parents' house. And said, I've made a mess of things. Will God forgive me? And at my parents' bedside, they had an encounter like you can have tonight. They had an encounter where my younger brother, Raphael, said, God, I'm not worthy because of what I've done and thought and where I've been. But will you? And in the story, here's what you need to know. In the story that we read, the father, when the son comes back, in a sense doesn't even listen. Because he's like, Father, I'm sorry. What does he do? He ran to him and he threw his arms around him. And he had compassion on him. And he ends up throwing a party for him. And then there's the other brother in the story. And the other brother gets mad because what's this mess up getting a party when he's like the good guy who does everything right. And he, he like goes to church on the weekend. He is a generous person. And he's mostly moral and does good. And both both kids, call them sons or call them daughters, both kids have missed the heart of God. And so Jesus comes to tell them it's time to come back. So, so one brother has this really, really subtle rebellion. And that may be you here tonight. You're a basically good person. But God knows your heart. And none of us are perfect. The Bible says every one of us has sinned. Every one of us falls short of the great goodness that God is. God is holy. God is perfect. And we're not like him because we have messed up. All of us have sinned. We've all rebelled. We've all turned our own way. And you know what? We're looking to fill our lives with something that will make us feel whole. Can I tell you tonight? Jesus Christ is the one who came to make things right with God. Some of us, it's not stuff. It's just you, you've chosen to make yourself. Let me ask you, are you the center of your story? What do you mean? Like, 
Are you the one guiding everything? It's crazy. Today, especially if you're a teenager, you'll spend nine hours today in front of a screen. Nine hours. I'm not helping the cause right now, okay? Nine, nine hours in front of a screen. But here's the latest Harvard review found out that since the invention of the iPhone 11 years ago, here's what's happened in teens' lives. There's greater sleeplessness. There's greater loneliness. There's greater worry. There's greater dependence. And now, even though we have connectedness, and right now some of you are streaming this on your Facebook Live, right now, even though we're connected, we've never been more disconnected. It's crazy. And so we have all sorts of issues and anxieties. Some of you are struggling with anxiety because every time you flip on your social media feed, you see people doing things you wish you were invited to. It's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. And that's actually not a joke. It's become a disorder, this fear of missing out because everyone's connected. And why am I not connected? And let me tell you, that feeling of loneliness, it has lots of reasons, but the source is we're made by God for God. And until we turn our lives to him, we'll never freely know how to love one another and have a feeling of wholeness in our soul. But tonight... You can come back. What, is, what does the son do? Jesus gives the story to make a point. You're valuable. You're valuable. So the father runs out to the son when the son takes one step back. In a couple of moments, I'm going to invite you to take a very real step in your life. Some of you, you've done this before, but something happened. Others of you, this is going to be a brand new experience. Of admitting, to, not to me, to God, the one who made you. That your life is not what it should be. And here's why. Because I, I've sinned. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here tonight about where you've been and what you've thought and what you've done. Because I'm in the same camp. But God loved us this much. He sent his one son, Jesus Christ, to be the proof of love. If you're wondering, how do I know God loves me? My life is a mess. God has shown us the proof of love by coming himself and here's the amazing thing. Jesus Christ, who's telling the story, he came, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and he lived a sinless life. You see, the kids both messed up, but Jesus never did, never lied, never cheated, never stole, never had a bad attitude. He lived perfectly united with the Father. Why? So at the right time, when you and I don't know what to do, we can turn. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn not to yourself to fix yourself, not to an institution, even called the church, to fix you, but to Jesus Christ himself because he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and the lie and anyone who wants to come back to the Father, here's what's going to happen. They've got to come through me. Now you say, Jose, we're living in Portland. What are you talking about? Like Jesus? You're going to stand here and say Jesus is the only way. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, let's talk about our issue. How do we get rid of our guilt? How do we get rid of our sin? How do we get rid of our past? How do we get rid of our mind that totally goes off? You see, Jesus can uniquely and only cure us of our sin sickness because he became like us. God stepped into human form and became a man. And he lived our life so that when we're tempted, God can say, I know what that's like. I've been there. Yet Jesus never gave in to the sin. So Jesus' life is perfect, and he's able to stand now in your place and help you come home. The young boy came to his senses in a couple of minutes. 
I'm going to invite you to come to your senses and return back to God, the one who loves you and knows you and can change you. And Jesus provided the way. Jesus not only came to teach us, but at the end of his life, some of you know the story well. This really happened in history. I was in the place where it happened, just outside of Jerusalem. Jesus in his love says, I'm going to take your debt and I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to take it instead of you. The wages, the penalty of sin is death. That's our life connected to God is broken and then life apart from God leads to death that leads to death that leads to death. But that's not God's will for you. God demonstrated his love for you this way. While you were still rebelling, while I was still rebelling, Jesus Christ, hear me, he died on a cross to pay our debt in full, and then he rose from the grave, and he's alive, and he's not off in Never Never Land. He's actually here at Hillsborough Stadium, and he's calling you by name, and he's inviting you to life here tonight. He's inviting you to life. And so the question, the question is, what are you going to do with the opportunity God's giving you? The son came to his senses. Here's the crazy thing. In the story, there's two sons. One son returns, comes to his senses. The other son is a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. If you read it, at the end of the story, the father says to this other son who's mad that he's accepted, this other son that went off but was humble and repented and turned back to the father's house, you don't know where that son goes. And Jesus leaves the story as a cliffhanger for a reason. You see, tonight, you have to make a decision on where your life is going. And I'm here to invite you in Jesus' name to come back to God, to come to his love, and to say, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy, but I believe that you're good. And you're going to find his embrace. You're going to find his acceptance. You're going to find his love. He's never going to push you away. Jesus never rejects people who humbly come and say, I need you. But don't be like the other brother. The other brother was stubborn and hard-hearted and didn't realize that the Father is for everyone. You don't have to get your act together. As a matter of fact, don't try. It usually doesn't work that well. If you come to Jesus Christ, he will do the fixing. You know, I got a picture of what this looks like just in the last few weeks. Uh, I said my friend Stephen Vicky. Vicky has been diagnosed with leukemia. She did the chemo, and the chemo is meant to kill the cancer cells. But I'm not a doctor, but I, I know that because it's in your bloodstream, it's just going to come back. So what she needs is a, is a bone marrow transplant. In other words, at the deepest level, she needs to have someone else's good marrow that produces life-giving cells infused into her physical body. Why? Her own are going to go off. It's just a matter of time. So it's not enough to have chemo to kill the current cancer. You actually, if you're going to live and, and survive through leukemia, you actually have to have that bone marrow, someone else's life-giving marrow enter into you. And so they did a search. You do a search for a donor match. And if that's your story here tonight, we pray for you. We pray that God will raise up someone to, to be that life for your physical body. But it's interesting in Vicky's case, she, they tested her sister. And her sister is her, but not her. Close enough. And there's a better chance because she's like her. And so they tested her. And there's 14 points of connection. You hope for eight. That would be great. Eight of 14. Nine would be better. Ten would be awesome. Twelve would be outstanding. 
And they tested Vicky's sister, and here's what they found. 14 of 14 match. 14 of 14. That's amazing. So in other words, Vicky's sister goes in, and again, I'm going to botch this up because I'm not a doctor, but they take the good stuff out of Vicky's sister, right? That life-giving stuff. And Vicky told me, this is intriguing, they put it in an IV. They, like, take it out of her bloodstream, the good stuff and the life-giving stuff, and they put it into, like, an IV, and no, like, injection or anything. It went into a bag, and, and the bag went into her body. And then, here's the amazing thing. That one infusion of life, now, it's the, in the first 100 days, we need to make sure this continues to work. Those life-giving cells begin to reproduce so not only does it save her for a day, but what the prayer is, is that life-giving cells infused once into her life begin to reproduce, 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 reproduce. And so she is a new person because what was put into her begins to transform her from the inside. And, and so we pray that our dear friend Vicky will survive. Now, I know analogies break down, so don't, don't hear me. Don't hear me. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a hope that maybe, maybe if Vicky may live, Jesus, Jesus may save me. I'm just here to illustrate how one thing can make a difference. How one life can make a difference. And if tonight, in a very real sense, like in the story, if you will come back to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I need you, he will infuse his life into your life, and it's a 100% guarantee you will never be the same. He gives us eternal life, the Bible says. It's a life that never ends. And so, yeah, with a human donor, yeah, you ought to applaud. This is good news. This is why we're here. So in a human sense, it breaks down. But with Jesus, it works 100% of the time. If you come to him, he will never push you away. And tonight is your opportunity. Will you return? The Bible says that we have to repent. What's that? It's a turnaround. The son says, I'm going to do my own thing. And he turns around to the father's house tonight. Are you sure? Do you know? Have you ever turned back to God and said, God, thank you for my life. Why am I the center when you run the universe? It's pride. Pride keeps us. The son was proud. He wasn't happy with what God had given him. And so he says, I can do better. And friend, if that's you, we're not pointing the finger. We're pointing the way. In just two minutes, I'm going to invite you to receive God's love in Jesus Christ. He died and rose again to save you, and now he wants to save you tonight. If you'll return, that's what the Bible word repent means. And then if you'll receive, just like Vicky. Couldn't do it on her own, but the gift of her own sister became life-giving to her own body. In a similar way, Jesus is the Son of God, fully God, fully man. He's able to rescue because he's God, and he's willing to rescue because he knows what you're going through, and he feels your burden. And Jesus, the Bible says, wept. He wept when his friend died. And Jesus was grieved in his soul. He knows what depression is like. But Jesus saves. Tonight, will you give him your life? Will you come back to him and say, Jesus, from this day forward, I want to follow you. In just one minute, 60 seconds, I'm going to invite you to take a radical step. In just one minute, don't do it yet. We're going to have a prayer that we're all going to pray all across the stadium because some of us here tonight are like, Jose, that's me, that's me, that's me. I know my life. I know my story. And God's not the center of my life. I am. My friend is. This addiction is. And if tonight you say, 
Jesus, I'm coming back. Will you receive me? He will embrace you, change you, forgive you, take away the old, replace it with the new. He'll lead you and guide you. You'll never be disappointed. Your life's not perfect. You still go through stuff in this life, but you're never alone because Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. He's the greatest relationship. Tonight, will you receive him? I'm going to ask you in a moment to vocalize what you believe in your heart, to pray and say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm coming home. Forgive me, change me. He will do it tonight. And then I'm gonna ask you to take a bold step. Just like the son was far from the presence of the father and he walked home, I'm gonna invite you to take a step tonight a step towards God, a step that says, you know what, I'm not going to live the old life. I'm not going to go the old way. Tonight, I'm choosing to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to return to him. I'm going to receive him. And tonight, you have that opportunity right now. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. No one playing around, no one walking around. I'm going to ask everyone to gently and quietly, no words, no phones. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would. Let's stand in the presence of God. And tonight, if you know, if you know that you're far from God because of your sin, but you've heard and now believe that God's love is bigger than your baggage, it's bigger than your burdens, it's bigger than your past, and tonight you wanna give him your life. I'm coming home, not just for a feeling or a quick fix of forgiveness, but I'm coming to make you the center of my story, that you'll lead me and guide me, and that whatever you want, God, I want to know what you want. I want those desires to become my desires. Tonight, I want to be changed by Jesus Christ. We're going to pray right now. I'm going to ask that we just be silent in God's presence. And I'm going to ask that everyone, if you've already embraced this message, if you've already vocalized what you believe before, I'm going to ask you to do it again. That will be a huge choir praying up to the living Father who's watching and coming to seek and rescue and save and change. Let's pray this out loud together. And these words aren't magic. And the words we're about to pray, the words themselves don't change anything. But when my heart comes out of my mouth, when you see someone, you fall in love, it's a feeling first, but then you say, I love you, something happens. And so tonight we want to say to God that we're sorry for how we've made a mess, but we're thankful that he sent Jesus to make us new. Let's pray this together, and I'm telling you, after we pray, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step tonight, like the sun, whether you're a boy or a girl or young or old, to make a, a bold statement and to say, today I'm choosing to follow Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of it. Let's pray before the living God. Tonight, pray line by line with me. Let's just pray this out loud together. Dear God, thank you for life. You know my past. You know my sin. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, I believe that you came. You lived a perfect life. You died and rose again to save me. Jesus, forgive me, change me, guide me, transform my mind so that I can live in a new way. I love you, Jesus. 
I'm yours forever. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that good? It's just so good. It's so good. All right. Well, like I said, uh, the son just didn't say, he just didn't say, I'm sorry. He did something with what he believed to be true. He actually physically walked back to his father's house. And so I'm going to ask tonight, I wrote a book called Good News Today and Tomorrow that I want to put in your hands. And it's going to be a short book that will be helpful in giving you some guidance on what it means to follow Jesus Christ, what it means to learn about him in the Bible, what it means to pray, what it means to be filled with God's presence day by day. And I want to put it in your hands. And, and tonight, I want you to mark out this moment. Phil Wickham is about to sing here in a second. And here's how it's going to play out. During this song, when Phil begins to sing, I'm going to invite you all the way from the top. I'm going to invite you to, to get out of your row gently and walk down these stairs. And there are two sides there's some white fencing, two sides. There's a pathway to make it easy for you. You can come down this side and go over to your left. You could, if you're in the center here, you can come down this side. You can, you can go over to the right. And tonight, if you said, tonight I've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, whether this is a brand new experience or you say, Jose, I heard this news and I'm going through something and tonight something connected. I'm choosing to live for Jesus Christ. I, I say I'm a Christian, but I really haven't been living like one. But tonight I wanna settle it. As soon as Phil starts to play, I'm gonna invite you to come down the stairs. If you're here in the middle, hear me. You will get your spot, okay? Don't let a good spot to see Lecrae stop you from being honest with God. I'm gonna shoot straight. You're gonna get your spot back. I'm going to ask that you take your stand for Jesus Christ and that you walk over there as soon as this song begins. Hear me. Your friend's going to let you back, all right? Now, I, I wonder, is there anyone here who chose to, to pray and receive Jesus Christ? Before you walk, I want you to know that you're not alone. So on the count of three, if you say, Jose, that's me. Tonight I chose to settle it. I'm going to be one of his followers. I'm going I'm to go his way. I don't even know all of that means, but I'm going his way. And I want forgiveness and freedom and this in Jesus. Tonight, if that's you, on the count of three, we're going to lift our hand up together just so the people around us know we're not alone. This isn't a joke. If you're here, number one, this is the gift of God. You don't get it because you're good. You get it because God is good. Two, the gift is in Jesus alone. If you don't have the Son of God, the Bible says you don't have life. But to everyone who received him, he gave the power, the liberty to become children of God. And tonight, if that's you, one, two, three, lift up your hand up real quick. If you chose to respond to Jesus Christ, lift it up, 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 lift it up. Awesome, awesome. Lift it up, hold it up, hold it up. All right, great. Now, awesome, love it. Now, if that was you or that was too frightening, no worries. Phil Wickham's going to sing right now, and I'm asking if you raised your hand or wanted to, walk to the left, walk to the right, talk to one of my friends, 10-minute conversation and prayer. Settle it tonight. Phil, lead us in worship as you come.